This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today, once again, we're visiting with Joe Mullins from Joe Mullins and the Radio Ramblers in town for the High Mountain Hay Fever Bluegrass Festival. We're recording part two this week. Joe, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Gary, and glad for your interest in what what we do and how it connects to bluegrass. And it's been a blessing to make friends with folks in this community on our third trip to uh, to Westcliff. We first worked the festival a decade ago, and we're back four or five years back, and it's good to be here in 2019. That's great. Thanks for doing that. Last week, we visited a little bit about the uh, formation of the Radio Ramblers. We talked a fair amount about the Appalachian migration that brought bluegrass and country music into that southwestern Ohio area where Joe lives and where I lived for seven years when I was down in the Cincinnati area. It's an interesting thing. I grew up in Cleveland, as, as I mentioned earlier, and Cleveland was very much uh, sort of a rock and roll folk music kind of town. Yeah, and I there. swear that before I went to college, I never heard bluegrass music. It just wasn't Anywhere. And I have played every nook and cranny of Ohio <laughs> as an artist for 30-some years. I've never played anything close to Cleveland. Oh, that's very interesting. It's just a different culture up there. Uh-huh. Um, the Appalachian migration, I, I've been helping study and document that with a team from Miami University. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and there'll be a book out. Uh, we did a whole seminar at the Miami campuses a couple of years ago, dissecting every part and piece of how bluegrass music really came of age in southwestern Ohio mm-hmm. because of those Appalachian migrants. They brought their music with them, whether they played it in, in the taverns of downtown Dayton or in the churches out in the, in, in, in the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of the culture where we live. And those Appalachian migrants, they were drawn to Dayton and Cincinnati in great part. They went on up to Detroit Yes. In, in great numbers to work the auto factories, some to Chicago, some to Baltimore. A lot of those folks that were in the hills of southwestern Virginia or in the western Carolinas, they made a trek and wound up in Baltimore at the factories up that way. I'll give you a good example. My wife had, my, my mother, my mother was uh, number 11 of a family of 12 kids, <laughs> and uh, they all scattered. She had one brother that, that lived in Cleveland. The rest of them landed somewhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a very small percentage of, of hill folk that made it to Cleveland. And I don't know, the music's never thrived there. That, it's interesting. So when I got to Cincinnati, I noticed that the student union signed Bluegrass Tonight. So I thought, let me check this out. Uh, because I had, uh, during, uh, at Miami during college, had happened on to this guy named Doc Watson, who revolutionized guitar playing for a lot of us. It was just a different style. So uh, at the uh, student union, uh, the group was the Country Gentleman, which which is a, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge group. Hall of Fame act now. So, uh, and I was hooked after, after that. I followed the seldom scene and uh, then, then uh, everybody else. And I was a big fan of the Osborne brothers. Well, you know, the Osborne brothers were the very first to play a college campus. The first college campus bluegrass concert (laughs) in the world as documented was at Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Oh, right there. I live about five or six miles from that campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the Osborne Brothers, the uh, the student union presented them in like 61. Oh, well, that's very cool. And uh, then the, the Stanley Brothers were there just a few months later. Mm-hmm. And so 
again, bluegrass has been a phenomenon in southwestern Ohio for generations. And even from the, from the radio play to the college campuses, big recording industry in the Cincinnati Dayton area. And bluegrass was a huge part of that. Foggy Mountain Breakdown was recorded in Cincinnati, Ohio at mm. Herzog Studios about 49 right? or 50. King Records uh, was huge. They put out hillbilly music and race records is what they were called back in the, in the 40s mm-hmm. and 50s and 60s. And their first bluegrass recording was by Jimmy Martin and Bobby Osborne in 1951. And they wound up recording almost everything that Reno and Smiley put out and that Charlie Moore and Bill Napier put out and, and a ton of bluegrass acts. The Stanley Brothers, half mm-hmm. their catalog recorded in Cincinnati, Ohio. Let me ask a bit about your material. Uh, congratulations on winning IBMA's Song of the Year. Mm-hmm. Now, was that this year or, or last year? Last year? Yeah. We had and tell, an me album. About, tell me about that song. We had an album out last year that did very well. It, it received a nomination for Album of the Year and for Gospel Song of the Year and Song of the Year. Our Song of the Year was a number entitled, If I'd Have Wrote That Song. <laughs> people like fun songs and people yep. like truck driving songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Larry Cordell has been a hit writer for generations. Larry wrote Highway, Highway 40, 40 Blues. Highway 40 Blues, yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. He's, he's written songs for everybody in the Nashville community. But he's still such a great country boy. Larry, coincidentally, kind of grew up hearing my dad on radio in mm. eastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So he'd been an acquaintance of the family and a friend of mine for a long time. But Larry, we were two or three years ago getting ready to produce a new album, and he sent me four or five songs. Oh. And uh, if I'd have wrote that song, which is too much fun not to record, mm-hmm. and it got huge airplay last year everywhere, from mm-hmm. Sirius Satellite Radio to community stations and WSM in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so it won the Song of the Year Award from our album, The Story We Tell. And uh, we do a lot of story songs. We can do some deep songs. We do spiritual songs. We do sad songs. We do happy songs. We do fast songs, slow songs, and half-fast songs. (laughs) So let me ask about one of your songs. Uh, It's one of my favorites. I played it on the radio uh, just this past week, and you played it last night, Johnson Island Prison, which is a Civil War era song about a Confederate prisoner at a Yankee camp uh, in Ohio off Lake Erie. Maybe it resonates with me because I grew up just a few miles from from, uh, the shores of Lake Erie. Is that one of your songs? I wrote, wrote the song. And how, did, how did that one come about? It's been at least 12, 15 years ago, I think. I had my family, my, my kids, they're, they're adults now, but they were still on like junior high. And uh, my wife and I took the kids to a camping trip on Kelly's Island. I remember uh, Off the well. Marblehead Peninsula mm-hmm. of Lake Erie uh, near Put-In Bay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ferried out to Kelly and camped a night or two. We came back to the mainland to take the kids over to Cedar Point. And driving off uh, the ferry uh, back onto the mainland and around Marblehead Peninsula, I hadn't seen it before. I grew up fishing on Lake Erie, but I saw the U.S. history marker for the Confederate cemetery that's still on Johnson's Island. Hmm. And I hadn't heard about it. I always loved history, Ohio history, Civil War history. So I immediately I got home and I searched the web and I read everything I could find about Johnson's Island. And at the height of the Civil War... A few thousand Confederates were held as POWs at a prison camp that the Union troops had built and fortified on Johnson's Island Mm -hmm. off the Lake Erie coast there in that area. My first thought was, man, there couldn't be any place more brutal to put those guys Mm -hmm. because about every other winter, Lake Erie freezes all the way from Ohio to Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the lake affects snow that we all see about. It pounds from Cleveland to Buffalo to Syracuse all winter long. And so to put some of these guys from the Deep South that were already just beat down and worn out and, 
and to, to lock them up on, with snow and ice in every direction. I couldn't imagine anything more brutal. And <laughs> so as an Ohioan and a Civil War buff and a bluegrass writer and, and, and artist, I wanted to come up with a song. And I wrote all the, all the lyrics, and a friend of mine used to be in a band with years ago who helped write the melody. It's a, it's a very cool song, and the thing I like about it is it's it's uh, it's got a positive spin to it because uh, according you know, to he, the facts, he, he kind of gets gets out at the end. Uh, according to what I read up, that it wasn't far off the mainland coast, mm-hmm. out into one of the bays there. Johnson's Island wasn't. Matter of fact, still I think they've built a causeway now. You can drive out there. There's some resort homes on part of the island, but still a gated cemetery from where that mm. fort used to be, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but according to history, some of those Confederate soldiers, a winter of uh, 63 or 4, when the lake froze, uh, they escaped on the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a story, they, you know, they caught one guy down in Findlay at a tavern, you know, a few <laughs> days later after he came up missing and he escaped uh-huh. on the ice. Yeah. So he, if, if you can put a happy ending to a Civil War song, we did it. And the you, old boy that we're singing about, he, he, uh, he made his escape. You, you did it. And as I recall, the last line is something like, and you'll never see this Georgia boy any place it snows. That's right. That's right. Thanks. <laughs> That's very cool. Hey, tell me a bit about your latest albums. You were here about five years ago, and you've got at least two two new albums. Two or three. It, it yeah. looks like uh, last year we were blessed with a hit on our hands with the album "The Story We Tell." Had two or three songs that were number one on bluegrass charts, and and uh, three nominations and an award out of the album. Uh, we just released an album late March entitled "For the Record." And uh, much of the same. A great, uh, great variety of new songs from great writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, some deep story songs. We've got a song called Here and Now. Uh, it tells like three different little stories all held together by a central theme. Mm-hmm. If, if it weren't for then and there, there wouldn't be a Here and Now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a, the first hit out of the album. We have one guest on the album. And we collaborated on a song with Dale McCurry of the Grand oh, wow. Opry in the Bluegrass Hall of Fame. Yep. It's called The Guitar Song. And we've been working the Opry as regular guests a few times a year since 2013. First time we got to play the Grand Ole Opry was because we had a, a bluegrass hit version of a Bill Anderson song. Mm-hmm. And Bill and I became friends immediately that night. He mm-hmm. was very gracious to us, got us as guests on the Opry, and the and, and, uh, place was sold out, and we had a great showing. Mm-hmm. And I told Bill, I said, there's not one of your songs I'm going to record one of these days. And he and, and, and hit singer and songwriter Jamie Johnson did a country collaboration on their song, The Guitar Song, about six or seven years ago. It's about a guitar in a pawn shop, a couple of guitars in a pawn shop, having a conversation. And the one of them had really been around, and he had been on stage with Johnny Cash, and Lefty Frizzell had played him in Saginaw, Michigan, and mm-hmm. Marty Robbins had played him in El Paso. Mm-hmm. And I, had, had, I told Bill Anderson backstage at the Opry a couple years ago, I said, I want to do that song and do a bluegrass version of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the old guitar is going to mention being in the hands of Doc Watson mm-hmm. or Larry Sparks. And he said, you, you know, he said, why don't you rewrite that for the bluegrass fans and let Dale sing the part of a guitar and you be a banjo. I said, all right. So I took some liberties with the approval of Country Music Hall of Fame member Bill Anderson and rewrote the guitar song. And Dale sings the part of an old guitar in a pawn shop, and I'm an old banjo that Sonny Osborne has played and Don Reno's played. And we had a ton of fun with it. And it, it hit number one within a few months after it was released. That's great. That's great. So uh, how many titles do you have these these days, it looked like maybe you had six or seven at the on your table. I think we've done eight, okay, eight or nine albums over the last thirteen years. About every eighteen months is the best we can do. We mm-hmm. tour, we play about a hundred performances a year everywhere, 
Uh, this year, we're from California to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, from West Cliff to Portsmouth, uh, England, uh, going overseas again Labor Day weekend. But about every 18 months, we do an album. And about every third album is an all-gospel. We've had mm-hmm. uh, two hit gospel albums the last decade. And I think you had three gospel albums on the table yeah. today. Yeah. So uh, let me ask about one other thing. Uh, I see that uh, in January, 13th through 17th, you're inviting folks to join you on a cruise to the Bahamas. Oh, yeah. The, the cruise vacation is one of my favorite things. If I really want to unplug. That, that doesn't sound like that much work. But no. I, actually, I'm only kidding. I'm sure it's... Well, I'm the sure band's done a half a dozen or more of them mm-hmm. uh, through the years for different promoters and in different configurations. And then my family and I, my wife and I, have, we've, we've vacationed another 10 or 12 times on cruise ships. It's a lot of fun. But the Bluegrass Cruise we're working will... Uh, January 13th and Monday, we'll sail from Port Canaveral uh, mm-hmm. on the Florida coast and uh, hit a couple spots in the Bahamas, including Royal Caribbean's private island, which is just a phenomenal resort. Mm-hmm. But all along the way, there's at least half a dozen bluegrass bands, including the Radio Ramblers and uh, uh, the group Sideline, the Poe Ramblin' Boys, mm-hmm. Little Roy Lewis. There's a gang of us on the ship, mm-hmm. and there'll be bluegrass shows in the afternoon or evening or both almost every day mm-hmm. on those ships. And it'll sail m- uh, Monday to Friday. Very affordable vacation package to enjoy all the luxury and comfort of Royal Caribbean, but get a very special extra entertainment package while you're on the ship. So RadioRamblers.com. RadioRamblers.com. The the KLZR listeners can see more about the band. See our recordings there. Easy online purchasing. And download a brochure for the the, uh, cruise. That's great. Uh, so folks can uh, get merch there, get your latest CDs, find out about these trips, find out about your tour schedule, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Before we uh, have to leave, remind us one more time of your great band. The Radio Ramblers. Uh, they let me play the banjo and do the talking. <laughs> and Adam McIntosh, guitar and vocals. Mike Terry, mandolin and vocals. Adam, by the way, lives nearest me. He's in Franklin, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I'm... 45 minutes to an hour away in Cedarville, Ohio. Mike Terry is founding member of the band, plays mandolin and does vocals. He lives in Clay City, Kentucky. He mm-hmm. is a real hillbilly. Um, <laughs> Randy Barnes on bass lives in Richmond, Kentucky, just south of Lexington. Jason Berry, our fiddler, lives in Portland, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. So we're kind of scattered out, but it, it works. We Most of our travels, we have to fly a few times a year, but we travel in a tour bus and we have several different meeting places. Everybody gets on the bus and does our thing about 40 weeks out of the year. Takes, takes off from there. I, I, uh, I know Adam pretty well. He, he was in town a few years ago uh, with Dry Branch, mm-hmm. and uh, he needed a ride to the airport. So we drove to the airport and uh, had a great time Super kept, catching up on that. Good so. singer, songwriter, player. A- absolutely. Joe, thanks for stopping by today. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to see a community radio station thriving with a good variety of programming and making, giving people a reason to support the station. As a broadcaster and an entertainer, it's really good to be welcomed the way we have been in the West Cliff community and good to come by and, and see a thriving local radio station. Well, we appreciate having uh, Joe Mullins and the Radio Ramblers uh, on stage uh, highlighting the festival. You are right at the top of the poster. I'm in charge of putting the poster together. Uh, Ron tells me where to put the bands. I, that's not my call. But uh, you're right at the top for a reason. We've been listening to uh, Joe Mullins from the Radio Ramblers in town for the High Mountain Hay Fever Bluegrass Festival. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. 
You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 